Hello and welcome to the Negroni Talks podcast, brought to you from East London and supported by Campari. Set up to be lively, provocative debates on issues around architecture, the Negroni Talks are hosted at the Venetian restaurant Ombro in Hackney and organised by Architects for the Space with the assistance of Rob Fain and Bobby Jewell. The talks are designed to emulate the opinionated and convivial free-flowing debates found in the fin de siècle European Café Society, being fuelled by food, drink and particularly Negroni. There's no stage, no standing on ceremony and the audience are asked to participate as much as invited speakers and the chair for the event. These recordings are presented as they happen live and like the talks themselves with no frills and little or no editing to bring you the arguments of the evening direct and unfiltered. Thank you, thank you. Um, my name's Peter Smisek. I'm, I trained as an architect, but I lapsed, and now I work as an associate editor at Icon Magazine writing about architecture. Um, I think we have a pretty simple proposition today. Um, awards, what are they good for? And it says absolutely nothing, but I think that's what we're supposed to challenge or confirm today, or maybe come up with a more nuanced answer. Um, so joining me, we have a stellar panel of architects, journalists, architecture-adjacent people. Uh, we've got Rab Bennett from uh, Bennett Associates um, over here. He's obviously, um, you know, runs an established practice um, together with his um, wife. They've won over 200 awards, according to their website. Uh, you're not doing anymore. Okay, well, that's uh, that's something I think we'll have to ask him. Maybe they don't have enough space. I can imagine uh, space is at a premium. Um, we've got um, Veronica Simpson, who uh, is a contributing editor at Blueprint and FX. She's actually just told me that she's never been asked to be on a jury of an award, which we we're both... Uh, oh, sorry. We're both very shocked about that. Um, so if you happen to run an award, um, give her a shout. And maybe maybe we'll get to get a perspective of what the perception of awards is from the outside. Um, apologies. Um, we've got Fliss Childs, who's a partner at uh, Field and Clegg Bradley. Um, they, their website says they've won over 50 Reba Awards, 25 Civic Trust Awards, and they also won the Reba Sterling Prize, so congratulations. Um, she's uh, the partner in charge of comms, so she's the one who um, applies for all these awards. Um, we'll, we'll hear whether you want to apply in the future, perhaps. Maybe you also don't have enough space. And um, for our last panelist, we actually have someone who's... Um, both won tons of awards, but also um, gives them out. It's um, Marcus Ferris of uh, Dezine. I don't give them out to myself. Uh, yeah, no, you, of course. Um, I mean, you could, possibly. All right. <laughs> um, so, of course, he's, um, um, he's been named as... Oh, where's my notes? Um, here it is. Architecture Journalist of the Year in 2004, Business Web Editor of the Year in 2013, and everything in between and beyond that. He also runs um, 
and Dizine, of course, together with Dizine. Um, they run the Dizine Awards, which celebrates the best in architecture and design and related fields. And he's told me that they're expecting or hoping for 5,000 entries um, this coming year. So we'll, uh, we'll hear more about that, what it's like to organize an awards and what are the maybe benefits of, uh, of doing such work. Um, but I think we'll start with you, Rab, because you said you, you're not doing any more awards. So, so how did you get to the point of not wanting to do any more awards? Well, um, I mean, I think awards have been around for a very long time. And I, I, when I was clearing out my mum's house recently, she's just turned 98, by the way. She's, anyway, I found an old school book of mine from 60 years before when I was in the first primary class. And it had a red star. So we've been doing gold stars and silver stars and all the rest of it for a very long time, and it goes through college and all the rest of it. So why do we do awards? It's partly recognition and encouragement. Um, it's partly marketing, of course, because you need people to know that you're half decent at least. Um, and it's for the insecure designers amongst us, uh, it's a way of getting confidence. And I have to say, it helped me a lot when I was younger. I heard Norman Foster say he's a very insecure designer. So if, if it happens at that level, my, I maybe feel a little bit better. But anyway, so insecurity is in a lot of creative people. And so awards are quite good for that. So um, the way you can turn awards to your advantage is quite obvious. Um, and so just to make sure I've got everything. Uh, there's, also another, there's another possible mechanism for awards. I've been thinking for a long time, how do you award new projects if you're on some sort of OJU panel and you're doing 70% quality and 30% cost and all that kind of stuff, which all of us have had to contend with. And one way of judging quality might be a track record in terms of awards rather than just experience of a building type. Now, I don't know if that would work. And of course, it might mean the younger firms are struggling to get past first base because they haven't got any awards yet. But it might be another way of judging quality. So I'm not, I'm not against awards at all. I'm in favor of it and so on. And we've won a fair amount because we enter quite a lot. However, it's becoming a bit of a racket. And the thing that worries me is there are so many awards at the moment, it devalues all of them. So you end up with people soliciting you all over the place to enter awards. Um, some of them are just visual awards, so you judge it on a photograph. So is it an award for photography or is it actually an architecture award, actually? And they're 300 quid, 500 quid, sometimes 1,000 pounds to enter an award. Now, if you've got a building which is good enough to enter several awards, and it might not be that big, it wipes out your profit because you've got to do the award fees, you've got to do the photography, you've got to go to the dinners, you've got to do the submissions, which means time. So it's actually, you could end up spending £30,000 on awards for a middle-sized building, which is incredible. And some of these awards are compromised, in my view. You end up with, I have, I've been on a lot of judging panels, actually, and most of them are pretty good, I have to say. But there is one which I resigned from because I found they were trying to make the shortlists in each category roughly balanced in numbers so that everybody would buy tables for the dinner. And it was the dinner that was making lots of money for the publication which could no longer make money out of being a magazine. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's a really difficult road to go down because it means the award is compromised before you start. So what we look for is the award that really does mean something. And it might be a specialism award like Concrete so you really want to be known for good concrete. Or it might be a more general architectural award like the RIBA. And the thing about the RIBA is it does have a decent judging panel. It doesn't always get it right. But there's a second chance if you're worried about something. And I can think of an example I was on where I was the chair of a jury in the south of Britain. 
and I was told that the building we were about to visit had been entered before but rejected, so this was their second chance. And I thought the building was absolutely fantastic. It was a really interesting piece of timber construction. And I was told the judge of the previous year, the chair of the jury, had even refused to get out of the car when they pulled up outside because she didn't think it was the kind of building to get an award. And I think, hang on a minute. So judges get it wrong as well. Yeah. And so to have a second chance at a good debate is actually really important. And I think the RIBA is almost unique about that. It also is one of those awards which insists on a visit to a building. And of course, you get awards which are discredited by buildings which leak or maybe they're massively over budget or a pissed off client who won't even sign a reference on the award form. You, you've got to be really careful. So in the end, these awards come down to whether you want a piece of substance in the architecture, a properly thought through award, or if it's just trivialized or superficial image based and so on. And I would argue you need to visit the award winning buildings. Now, the, um, So if I was to say which are the important ones for us, I think RIBA is important, and I still get pissed off when we don't win one, but that's, you know, hard <laughs> cheese. But uh, there's building, the building awards, which look at construction, function of the building, as well as the architecture and the engineering and so on. That's quite rounded. That's pretty good. Uh, they used to be the British Construction Industry Awards, but I'm less enamored of them at the moment. Um, things like specialised awards. You get the British Council for Offices, which I'm sure that's thrilling for you all. But if they're just looking at one subject and they think it's really good for offices, it's probably worth having and so on. And so we tend to be quite selective about what we enter. I think it's been devalued by too many awards and the cost of it, and that's probably enough for me for a couple of minutes. Yeah. Was it a couple of minutes? <laughs> no. Uh, that, so that was brilliant. And I think that really brings us to the next um, you know, question or point about architecture awards, which is really you know, applying for it and, and the sort of benefits you see. I think you mentioned um, also something quite personal, which is self-confidence, um, peer recognition. But obviously, I think some people still think that, oh, if I win an award, um, Will I get you know, more clients? Will people be more interested in me? You, you mentioned those very special awards or specialized awards. And of course, one would imagine that those within construction industry, those might have quite a lot of clout. So I was thinking if um, Fliss could maybe. Well, if I could just add a wee bit to that, because uh, architects are no different from other professions like scientists mm. and so yeah. on. I mean, scientists rely on their work being published. Yeah to have any credibility whatsoever that's peer-reviewed and then it's published and they might go on from there. Mm. And we're the same. If there's something that's recognised by the award, mm. it's been peer-reviewed by a panel and so on. That's mm. pretty important. So, um, if we, yeah, if you can tell us more about... Is that um, yeah. yeah. If you can tell us more about um, <laughs> how you choose which uh, awards to apply to, if it yeah. takes up a lot of your time, if you know, you found that some of them aren't worth it, and if you may have been, you know, pleasantly surprised. So, firstly, I want to say I agree with a lot of what was just said then, because we have won lots of awards, and unlike maybe some practices who were quite big, um, so I'd, uh, it's quite difficult to compare, because it's big money in entering awards. The key thing, I think, is it doesn't matter so much how many awards there are, it's really considering what you pick, and we consider it by case by case, depends on what project it is, what sector it is, and what you want to get out of it. And I think there's also that, going back to that whole thing of what you want to get out of it. So um, sometimes we enter awards because these project architects or whoever have been working on these projects for, say, maybe five years has been 
challenging, it's been exhausting, and for the practice to turn around and say, we recognise um, that this is good and we're proud of what you've done, and thank you, and come along and we'll try and win an award, and we might not, but, but we might. But I think that people forget about that internal sort of gratefulness within, within the practice and to appreciate what people have been through for the last however many years. It becomes your life. So I think that's really important. You wanted me to talk about entering. Um, we, it, it is a bit of a process. You probably all know for any of you have entered. But if you get it right from the beginning, if you get your presentation drawings spot on, if you get a really good architectural photographer, for me, pay for it, you know, get, get the best photos and don't just get the ones of the coffee table with the nice book on it, you know, ultimately judges want to see in context. And also, you know, who are the end users? You know, that's the key thing. If, if you've got a client, get them to talk about it and share what they think about it. That's really important on those judges' visits, I think. So... I think there's an art to entering awards, and I think it's a process. And I think when you've got that raw material, you could enter loads if you had the budget, and it's just reusing the same material, really. Um, I was encouraged you probably know about the sort of changes that are going to happen in the ROBA awards on the sustainability front. I'm sure others might talk about this, but there's been a sort of move to sort of talk about how projects have got to prove themselves a bit more. So I wonder whether maybe there's changing times and maybe we'll be entering projects not just when they're completed, but down the line when they've actually been out there and been in use and they're not quite so shiny and new anymore. And actually, isn't that much more interesting? Isn't that when they should be sort of winning awards to see if they've really lived up to what they've promised? So I think that's important. And the other thing I think I wanted to say was we also forget about recognising an award at the sort of earlier stages, so maybe at planning. We just entered a project recently um, at planning stage, and it, it won an award. But the, what that's done for the team and everyone involved, not just the architectural team, is given them a real boost. And I think that's the most significantly important thing in some respects. I talk about the Stone Prize and other things, but I'm sure someone else wants to talk. And um, now I'd like to hear from, um, yeah, we can clap, I mean, it's fine. Uh, now I'd like to hear from uh, Veronica, because I think you, uh, even though I, I think we've already pointed out the, the unfairness of you not having been asked to judge an award, I think you probably do interact with it quite a lot, because I'm sure as, um, you know, as a journalist, you always get these architects saying like, oh, but we won this award, and it turns out to be some kind of made-up thing. I certainly have had that experience where I've had PRs calling me saying, oh, you know, talk about these awards, and it turns out to be kind of a slightly dodgy thing. Um, it's not really been my experience, really? but I've, I've, brought this, I've brought my own awards. Oh, I'd brilliant. Like to, I'd like to introduce my own awards. Now... I'd like to give two of these iconic traffic-like lollipops to the best knitwear in the room, to these two ladies here. Okay? And um, actually... Thank you. And um, the best flat cap definitely goes to that gentleman over there. Okay. I'd also like to give the award for the best accessories to this lady behind me in the lovely orange necklace. 
Thank you. And that, and that feels nice, doesn't it? Getting an award feels nice. But I hate to be a downer, but it's only because you were the best in this room at this time. Sorry. <laughs> Context is everything. And that's one of the issues I have with awards. I mean, one of the things is you're often not looking at like for like. For example, the 2018 Sterling Prize. As we all know, it was won by a billion pound building for one of the richest people in the world, created by one of the best resourced, if not the richest architects in the world. And, you know, when you look at the, what it was up against or what was up against it, they were more kind of considerate, um, craftsman-like buildings that actually will probably have a much bigger impact on the people who occupy them. There was a rammed earth um, kind of cemetery ceremonial building. There, were, there was a wonderful kind of student halls, Henley Hellbrown, um, over in, in, where was it, Roehampton. And you just kind of think, what, what, are, we, what are we awarding here? What are we sort of, what are we celebrating? Now, 2019 was a much better year, I think we'd probably all agree. Partly because there was a sense that, you know, there, there was a sort of unified, coherent idea about what was being considered. It was mostly sustainably um, kind of thought through buildings. They were culturally or environmentally sustainable. And the fact that the Mikhail Rich's Goldsmith Street one, I think, sent out a huge message, which is another thing that awards are wonderful for. They kind of send out a signal to people um, about what, what's important and what's valued. And although there was a bit of carping in some of the architectural press about it not being exciting enough, I think what it did was actually generate a lot of really interesting conversations about what, what matters and who matters. I mean, I've had a lot of conversations as a result of that award with lots of different people along those lines. The other thing about context, I suppose, it's like um, exactly what Rab Bennett was talking about. The, the fact that so many awards schemes that have come along in the last few years are all about who can be bothered to pay to be there. And, you know, there's a lot of international interest. There's a lot of interesting practices from Asia who are flooding some of the awards that magazines I write for have launched. And, you know, it's great because some of these projects are extraordinary, but they're, they're being compared against... Not necessarily, you know, a global spread of the best possible comparators. So it's just whoever turns up. It's not necessarily the best. The people in the room are not necessarily the best examples of that type. As a journalist, they, yeah, definitely people should be rewarded for turning up in the rain tonight. As a journalist, I find it really useful to, to look at awards. You know, I'm, I'm often pressed for time, but I'm usually looking for buildings that have genuinely delivered some sort of impact. And that's where I struggle, because un, unless I'm looking at the Civic Trust Awards, which I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe they're about clients who are genuinely happy with what the architects have done for them, it's very hard to get any sense of impact. And we all know that there are stunning-looking buildings that haven't necessarily delivered what was intended Likewise, there are very humble, subtle, beautiful buildings that have enriched people's lives, but that just don't happen to look great on the page or on the screen. So they don't get the awards. So it's, it's all very complicated. But I suppose progress is needed. And what, what should we be looking for? Should we be looking at, 
I mean, I'm glad the RIBA is doing a lot to do, to do with sustainability. I was pleased to see the World Architecture Forum um, had uh, best use of sustainable timber last year and best use of daylight, which is kind of a step in the right direction. But um, we could see a lot more. We could see, like, best workplace culture. We could see most inclusive employer. You know, there are whole loads of other ways in which architects could reflect best practice. And on that point, I guess I'd like to give an award to Steve and Full Space and Bobby and Rob for putting on this amazing event. There's lollies galore. And... Because this is one of the most enjoyable spaces to talk about architecture and what it means. And there's a few left over for anyone who really likes lollipops. And by offering them on such an ad hoc basis, I've just absolutely invalidated the whole awards process. So I guess that leaves us with... Um, Marcus, who um, runs a very successful awards program, and we've heard some things that are quite contentious when it comes to awards. I think one of them is cost, but I know that Dezine tries to keep the initial cost down. Um, so according to my research, the an entry to Dezine Awards costs £80 if your practice is 10 people or less. Um, and of course, with the RIBA prizes, this is this ranges from eighty pounds, if or, which is almost the same, um, if your project is under five hundred thousand pounds, and it can go up to six hundred and thirty-nine pounds for projects of over twenty million. Um, so obviously, there, there's some kind of uh, commitment to keeping it affordable. But then um, again. Dezine Awards has such a massive appeal to people all over the globe. Um, how do you ensure that you kind of can judge like for like? Because, of course, if, um, you know, if you select a jury, how do you, um, how do you make sure that some of them maybe don't have, um, maybe haven't visited the buildings and they know they're really, really good on, on the sort of nitty-gritty detailing? Or um, if somebody hasn't got the time, then unfortunately they can't, you know, they, they see this beautiful photo by uh, Ivan Bahn and uh, when in reality the building is uh, leaking, as somebody has suggested. So, so how do you kind of balance that out, given that, you know, your award has such a massive spread and appeal? Well, I'll, I'll start off by saying, um, talking about my relationship to awards. I was always someone who came second, came second in the school debating competition. I played for a football team that came second in the league. And the worst, one of the worst nights of my life was when I first became a journalist for building design. I entered, uh, there's, a, there's an awards program called the International Building Press Awards, which all of the trade mags entered. And I came second in journalist for the year. Honestly, when they called out my name, I felt like fucking hell, who wants to be second? So <laughs> I spent the entire year working, working, working and went back next year, the following year, and won. And it was the best feeling in my life. It was like I won a piece of Perspex that had my name in the middle with these two pieces of Perspex screwed together and there was my name and it was the best feeling. And also uh, I worked for an editor at Building Magazine, Adrian Barrack, who was a master 
of helping you put together awards entries. So I'm going to give you some tips on how to win awards. You have to, you have to finesse your entry. You have to focus on the good points. You have to make yourself sound like a winner. And you have to research the category as well. And um, so entering and winning awards became really central to me being a journalist. And when I started the zine as a startup publication that nobody had heard of and nobody, valid, nobody really validated, winning awards for the company was really, really important. And it took us a few years, not least because in the early days there were no categories for online magazines because it was all paper magazines. But once we started to win uh, awards, it became like a self-perpetuating cycle. You win an award, then you publish the fact that you've won an award, then everyone goes, oh, wow, you won an award. And it sort of become, kind of creates this circle of um, self-validating greatness. We always, from the very beginning, design is a, like a crazy business proposition, really. We give away our content for nothing. It's like a stupid way to organize a business, really. So we were always on the lookout for business opportunities. And right from the early days of Dezine in 2006, we thought, oh, we could organize an architecture and design awards. But of course, everyone said to us, there's already too many awards. Oh, they're meaningless. There's too many awards. Oh, they're meaningless. So we sort of stayed away for it for, for 12 years because we thought, we can't really contribute anything new to the awards space. If, if we want, you know, we're a disruptive business, so it's not disruptive to launch the design awards. That's what everyone's already doing. And then we thought about it, and we thought, what, how could we make a difference with architecture and the design awards? What would be our point of difference? What would be the thing that would make everyone want to enter our awards? And we realized, let's just make it as fucking cheap as possible. So yeah, it starts at 80 quid, goes up to 200 quid. So that was our proposition. It's cheap. So, of course, if you pay £80 to enter an awards, you're not going to expect the judges to get on a plane to go and visit your building. Um, so you kind of take it as it is. But the thing is about Dezine, it's like a network. So the idea was to get as many people from around the world to, to enter the awards, to feel part of a kind of program, to feel part of a kind of celebration. We do have a, um, a, a fairly rigorous judging process, but it's all done remotely. And to our immense surprise, in the first year, we had almost 4,000 people entering. Uh, last year, 4,500. We're aiming for 5,000 this year. But you know what? It, it is what it is. And um, we were very, very conscious to stay away from the idea of awards being about businesses like capitalizing and profiting. So we did actually organize a big sit-down dinner the first year. And I can tell you, we lost more money on that sit-down dinner than we've ever lost on anything. Um, like it's six figures. So that was like our gift to the world of architecture and design. I'm sorry for those of you who didn't manage to get a heavily subsidized ticket for our amazing dinner at Tate Modern in 2018. We scaled it back last year and it was much more cheap and, cheer cheap and cheerful, um, which was immense fun for all of the people that were at the party. Our sponsors were a little bit disappointed by the chaotic nature of the party. So we're going to try and find a middle point this year. But we're learning our way through it. Um, it, it, it is what it is. It's, it's, um, the, the, the judging process is, is people looking at pictures and reading text. Our model that we've, we've borrowed is from the, the way that digital, like um, web publishing awards are judged. You pay your fee, you enter your thing, then some experts look at it, and then they draw up a shortlist and so on and so forth. So it's different from the way that architecture awards have traditionally been 
um, set up, which are kind of like, you know very rigorous and very proper, and everyone's going round and worrying. It's the ceiling leaking. We don't do that, but what we have, what we have established is like a, an amazing international community. We, by making it cheaper for smaller practices, we've been able to help launch the careers of lots of young, upcoming people from all around the world. Um, it's very, very international. Like the third biggest number of entries is from China. We have entries from like Africa and um, Romania and Russia and places like that. So the, the, to cut it short, the Design Awards is kind of a reflection of what Design is. It's like a, a very, very accessible global platform that is kind of skewed towards emerging talents. And we're very proud of the fact that for 80 quid, you get a chance to come to an amazing party in London and a shout out about the fact that you've won an award. And you get a trophy which is made of a brick, which we think is really cool. <laughs> oh, I didn't answer any of your questions. Oops. No, just to follow up on that, um, because I think um, b before this talk, we were talking about the, the sort of fancy dinners and sums of you know two to 300 pounds have been thrown around. but. Um, and I think you mentioned, oh, our dinner is heavily subsidized. So just for the sake of transparency, um, how much is a, is a dinner chez uh, Dezine? Oh, my God. <laughs> how, okay, how much so, was the so, okay, we, okay, we, we launched, so we launched Dezine Awards in 2018, and we booked the tanks at Tate Modern. We thought, you know, Herzog de Muron building. We hired a production company, DJs. We had an architect design the space for us. I shouldn't really talk figures in front of you, but um, it cost a quarter of a million pounds to put that event on. <laughs> so anyone who says that publications like Dezine only organize dinners to rake in the cash, like actually it was the other way around. <laughs> so many people did well out of our awards. I tell you what though, the thing, the thing that, was, um, that really sh sh um, shocked me was the wastefulness of it like the sheer amount of waste. Like we called the production company the day afterward and said, you know all that Kvadrat fabric that we got you the 40% discount for, can we have that? Because we might, and they're like, oh, we put it in a skip. And it was like, it was, the waste was just astonishing. Uh, sustainability has always been a key part of Zine's um, ethos and of the awards. Like one of the three, we have three criteria we ask the judges to use. Beauty, things should be beautiful. Innovative, they should be innovative, do something in a new way and beneficial. They should be beneficial to people or planet or community or whatever. And we, the fact that our own award ceremony was not beneficial to the planet was like really gutting actually. So that's another reason why we've scaled all of that kind of thing back. Uh, how, how much did we charge for the tickets? Ashton, how much did we charge for the tickets? No, the first year, the first year. It was about 250 pounds, which everyone was like, oh my God, it's so expensive. But the, the cost to us was 400 pounds. Um, but we, le we learned our lesson and we thought, oh, that's not for us. That, the, the big swanky dinner where everyone's dressed up, because we're global, to expect people to fly in from Beijing or, J or Tokyo or South America for a dinner, it, it, was, it was not. So, so, this, so last year, second year time around, there was no obligation to turn up to get your trophy. We announced the, the winners and then said that if you want to come to a party where we can formally present you with your trophy and it's 50 quid for the party, you can come. Otherwise, we'll post you the trophy. Actually, more of them came this year, <laughs> probably because it was 50 quid. And I think 
for me, we, we've sort of talked about pri um, awards that you have to apply for. Um, but I, I'd also like to talk about um, a bit of a bias in the judging process because I looked into this very briefly. Um, I've had a very brief... Um, is this on? Okay, sorry. I've had a very brief uh, chance to interact with um, Martha Thorne, who's the executive of the Pritzker Prize a couple of years ago. And I came to understand that basically it's, um, it's basically her friends um, who are all these um, well-known um, editors. You're probably one of them. Um, who, who kind of mail her suggestions and then they kind of make a decision and they go visit. Oh, seriously, I get an email from Martha every year saying, who do you think should win this year, Martha? Yeah. She never listens to my suggestions. <laughs> um, and funnily enough, um, does everyone remember who won the, the Pritzker Prize in 2016? Um, it was Alejandro Aravena from Elemental. And you know what he did in the years 2009 to 2015? He was on the Pritzker Prize jury. Um, so, just um, how do you kind of um, ensure that, uh, you know, that there's kind of no bias? Because, of course, I think bias is, a, in, a, in a way, it is a human thing. You know, you, um, you like your protege, you think, oh, this, it, imagine I was a famous architect. I'd probably have a couple of people that I taught or that were in my office, um, how do you kind of say, maybe I shouldn't be judging this because they're in it? Um, uh, you know, I'm sure with uh, Dazeen's sort of global reach, you have this um, kind of problem as well. How do you get impartial jury members? Or um, you, you mentioned that, you know, uh, Rab, that your wife is on the, on the RIBA jury sometimes. She's here. So, so how do you... Um, how do you keep impartial? How do you just not make it all about your friends and your well, protégés? <laughs> you stand down from the jury. I don't know if this is on now, but I mean, I have been on a number of juries. This one here. Try that. Okay. Um, I mean, I've been on a number of juries, and I've never been on one where you haven't had to stand out of the room if you have a conflict of interest. And it's incumbent on all of us as a profession to make sure that always happens, because otherwise the whole thing is buggered. Because <laughs> you have to act professionally. Or it's, I mean, it's a very, even London is a very small community of architects, so you, you're coming across your friends and people you know all the time. You just have to be completely clear about that and stand back. Do you want to add anything to that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, it's on. Can you hear, I mean, the other thing is that, you know, we're... Oops. Hello. 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 Oh, it's much more fun than being on a jury. Uh, no, I, th I think there's a couple of things to say. One, one is that we actually have to act professionally. We have to be impartial, and we actually have to acknowledge and applaud the quality work that other people do. Because actually, you say people might be biased, but bias can be in two directions. And so you've actually got to be able to be completely impartial. And, you know, quite often the, the debate within juries, as those who've taken part will know, is you're actually often looking at those nuances which are not so good. 
And you have to step back and go, actually, it's bloody good. You know, we've actually got to look at the 70-80% and not get completely hung up on the, the, the more modest bits. Uh, I do think that when it comes to architecture, one of my, my issues is I, I have been on judging panels where you look at the images and really you're applauding the, the photographer, you're applauding the person who's briefed the photographer and it's really important to experience architecture because actually otherwise you're looking at a very, very partial view. So how can you be impartial? when actually the information that you're judging is completely... But it's interesting, because this year for the, the RIBA Awards, we're also trying to not only up the ante in terms of sustainability, and you, there have been you know, submissions in the past where they have not filled in even the mandatory sections of the sustainability questionnaire, and we've just said that's not good enough. And we're not talking about people doing... 100,000, 200,000 pound projects. We're talking about people who are paying full whack. They're doing 50 million pound projects. They've got to actually do the mandatory information. If they don't, we've actually dropped them. Several years running, so they dropped through the, the safety net. Um, so actually, visiting is incredibly important and just being able to experience the, the, the projects and to actually not get sucked in and being a sucker when you go to visit a building, for actually the client and the architect to take you on a very, very clearly guided tour. So you're only basically seeing the three dimensions of the images you've already seen. You've actually got to be able to go and explore yourself. It may actually give you beautiful moments where the building's even better than you anticipated or the, you know, the public space is better and you see kids playing in a way that's not been captured because basically they had only just opened up the space when the photographs were taken. Um, so that's, again, quite a, an interesting thing. And I just came in and heard the single most important thing that was said, and that is the test of time. I honestly do not think it's appropriate that buildings, pieces of architecture that people are living in, working in, enjoying themselves in, are actually judged before they've even let the paint dry and they've not got to the end of defects liability. I think test of time will be the other big, big thing that we need to do. Because there are buildings we know that possibly wouldn't have won awards in the first couple of years, but they've bedded in, become incredibly important parts of community, and they deserve awards. Peter, can I just add to that? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's a great point about time. Um, we have been lucky enough to have Amanda Bailey in on a couple of um, sessions in here. And um, talking to her about some of the Sterling Prize winners that almost get billed and finished, just ready for a Sterling Prize jury, and they're lobbied badly. We can name names. You, you'll know some of them. Now, now, when you look at the buildings, they're atrocious, absolutely appalling. They're, they're not good architecture. It's just not good architecture. And I think, um, Peter, I think that time aspect is a really important. Can I just say something else about bias? How many people who won the Pritzker Prize were whites? How many people who won the Pritzker Prize were men? All of them except one. All except one, white males. 
How many white males won the RIBA gold medal? All of them except one. Zahayok was the only exception. So when you're talking about bias, when you have friend networks judging things, it's kind of like a subtle, insidious bias whereby people give things to people who are like them. And the world is not like that anymore. So one thing that we're really proud of at Xena Awards, like 50% of our judges every year have been female. We insist on that. We don't shout about it, but it's, it's a fact. We, we were the first International Architecture and Design Awards to have a 50% um, gender balance. We try really hard to be representative in, in other ways as well. It's hard, much harder to be um, uh, racially balanced. It's much harder, but we really, really strive for that. But we have to break out of these circles where you get a bunch of white men choosing other white men to win the award year after year. And... <laughs> and what about the aspect of time? Because I think it is, it is something important. There's been kind of limited... Of course, uh, the architectural media is part of the problem. We don't really look at post-occupancy. Um, there have been very few publications that have even done an occasional post-occupancy study. Um, the most kind of post-occupancy we ever do is if somebody renovates an important landmark, and that's kind of okay, fine. They've brought it in a new era. But again, um, you're not looking at how that finished product is then used. Um, but it also brings, a, brings an important question because um, obviously if you go visit the buildings, um, as you have, you have said, which is probably the hallmark of one of those more um, um, not online-only awards, but could you imagine Dezine um, ever doing kind of a post-occupancy award given the kind of limitations that you have with, you know, um, that you're not flying the jury around the globe and, you know, it is quite image-based or, or do you... Or do you just think like, oh, we can keep this as a platform for, you know, the younger designers and architects um, to kind of, you know, the, the, first, the first big award that they're going to get, as it were? Oh, we'd consider anything if we could find a sponsor or work out a business <laughs> model around it. It is harder. People, you know, like new stuff is kind of the currency we all, we all deal in. You know, we're a news organization, so... People want to see the new stuff, the new images, and so on and so forth. I totally agree that like a, a lot of uh, the, the celebratory, aspect, celebratory aspect of architectural design is fixated on the, the image. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of to go back 10 years later and compare things uh, based on a whole different set of criteria is, is, like a, is, a, is a task that we're at the moment not willing to take on without a major foundation giving us the cash to, <laughs> to do that kind of research. And um, maybe I'd like to hear from um, Fliss again, because you've, um, you know, you're um, obviously, be, your work is being judged, uh, Field and uh, Collect Bradley's, and um, do, do you think there is, you know, if you look at your own or your office's work, do you think there would be more value in it being judged throughout time? Do, do you kind of agree with that as well? I think I'm quite fortunate to say that I think our projects probably would stand, most of them would stand up to it. I mean, we won the Sterling Prize in 2008 um, for a housing scheme, which had never won before, a housing scheme, and still bloody good now. Um, but I think it would be good for people to feel that 
that, that it will be judged again and to realise that people are not just interested in that glitzy moment and that, you know, these buildings really do have... You know, it worries me when you say that the Sterling Prizes, the, these things are completed on time just to, to go in, to be entered, because it's a whole different ballgame. But I don't, I don't want to sound too worthy um, because ultimately there are different awards are useful for different things. So to encourage young people, to get people on the platform stage, to have, you know, I, I think there's a place for all these different kind of awards. And I think, as I said before, it's very much about picking per project and per sector and whatever you want to get out of it, what you're going to enter. So I think they've all got a place. I do think they all cost too much money in general. And the amount of times we've had phone calls saying, should really come along to this award. It's really important that you're there. If you don't come, you really... Mm. And it's just to sell those seats, isn't it? You know. So if you're going to go to an award ceremony and you're going to have a table, share it with your whole project team, get the project man, get everyone in and make a thing of it and make it as a night that you're going to celebrate that project together. If you win an award, great, but make it a sort of a, a celebration. That's what I would say. You don't want to say No, no, but a hot tip, hot tip. Okay. Um, we, enter, we enter lots of awards that are fairly expensive to enter, but even more expensive to turn up. We never buy tickets until we get the nod, you really should be there. We never, <laughs> ever, ever do that. Because, well, it's so far for us, like, if we don't get the call saying you must be there, we don't go. Is there an award? Sorry. Is there an awards for awards? Yes, there's the award awards. Yeah. We won the awards. We won the awards award for the next my, best new award. My last second year. question: Is there an awards for Indeed. the awards awards? <laughs> what was the question? The second question was if there is an award for the awards awards. Could I, could I come back to it? <laughs> could I come back to a point about image-based awards? Because I think uh, something I forgot to say earlier that. Uh, they have their place, of course they do, but image-based architecture, fashionable architecture, is now getting into the realms of superficiality. And we recently came across a client brief, which was for a commercial building, which said the client wanted to know where the Instagram moment was going to be. And that was in, that was in the brief. Now, what this is doing is making architecture more and more superficial with less substance than it's ever had. And it's partly social media, it's partly the award system and all that kind of stuff. So how can we avoid reducing architectural judgment to the Instagram moment? <coughs> yes, that's it. What's the singular of applause? Like, applaud. You got, you got one <laughs> clap there, Rob. I got one. I got one. <laughs> I, I think we were just quite uncountable now. One some applause, one applause. But we've had. We've but, but the thing is, people. I mean, I think that I think the whole Instagram moment things like had its moment. Hmm. That's even more measure, isn't it? The moment. But um, if people go to places in order to take a picture, and and you have a, a venue that wants to attract people, why would you not want to design in an Instagram moment? It'd be kind of perverse to say I don't want anyone to take so selfies in my restaurant. That I, I agree on one hand, but for me, that there's also this that there is a category of space, as somebody has rightly pointed out. I think it was you, Veronica, that um, there are spaces that are beyond kind of simple representation. And let's face it, most of the Instagram thing is um, it's either somebody's 
um, drink against a terrazzo bar, which they have here. So I encourage you to do that. Um, or it's yeah, we had someone coming around saying we're going to be Instagramming this tonight. Are you okay with that? Or um, or you know, it's it's a very simple like perspective, and and not all places lend themselves to that. I've yet to see a good kind of Instagram image of a Barbican interior, for instance, because the space is just quite complex and, and you really need to kind of move through it to to take a good picture or, or what to make a mental map. So it it's kind of a yeah, there's obviously tension about it. Yeah, that. the thing is though that people architects have always had the perfect vista in, in view. This is being I remember I nearly wrote a feature for Icon but I never got around to it, which was like imagining that I went to um, falling water and found that spot where everyone takes a picture. And it must have been worn out, right? Because everyone goes... And Frank Lloyd Wright must have known that there was the perfect spot down the... You know the one with the... As, if he'd known about Instagram moments, he would have been all over it, I promise you. But we've had someone from, I think, RIBA. All right, we have a we have an urgent question from the RIBA. It's not a question. I just wanted to just oh, respond. Oh, right. There's a response. Is it on? Okay. So I'm Mike. I'm director of engagement for the RIBA membership engagement. I just want to respond to some of the stuff that's been said. So first of all, love the love in the room for the RIBA awards. I want to respond to the myth that we only reward the Bloombergs. If you look back at the five years of awards, the last ten years, we've done schools, community theatres. Um, we've done Hastings Pier, we did the housing project. It's very rare now that we will reward a huge project like Bloomberg. And actually, Bloomberg is, is an amazing building on the inside, and I think it does actually affect the people who work in it in, in an amazing way. Uh, yeah, I did the whole thing, just I had a brilliant tour. And actually, the winner of that, Michael Jones, the lead architect for that, not Norman Foster, not anyone else, was as thrilled to win his award as anybody else from a from a smaller project. First time I met Marcus, who I sat next to him at World Gold Medal at the RIBA. And the second time I met you, you gave a brilliant presentation at our regional awards in the West Midlands. And that's the difference between our awards and most other people's. You pay 80 quid, you start at Reba Awards in the region. So a regional jury will judge you. They'll have been past your building a number of times. They'll be they've been inside your building a number of times. It'll have to be paint ready by that stage. It's too late by Sterling. You have to have won a regional award to get as far as Sterling. You pay 80 quid, you get judged, a jury will come and look at your building for regional. Then they'll come and look again if you're lucky enough to be shortlisted for national awards. Then they'll come and look again if you're Sterling, Stephen Lawrence, or House of the Year. So for your 80 quid, five juries may visit your building in that period of time. Um, uh, yeah, House for Essex uh, didn't really win. It got two goes. Um, and also, um, all your dinner tickets are free. You get two dinner tickets. So if you win regional, you get two places free. Get national, you come to the Serpentine for free. And then you come to Sterling, two of you can come for free. Sounds amazing. Like I would enter his awards if yeah, I knew. Yeah. Yeah, and only 80 pounds, pounds and you get all of this thrown in. It's a race to the bottom. It starts at 80 and goes up to 600, you're right. And we expect, we expect clients who have got 20 million pound projects to be subsidized in that entry fee at that point. Now, the difference is, it is every, every building is visited when, after it's been shortlisted or longlisted or any of those things. And every building does get a second chance the second year because we recognize the peers that look at that building might be different. And often they will win or, or not win a second time. So we do all of those things and it makes an enormous loss. So the whole process is subsidized by our members and all the other things. Even our events, even the events that are sponsored, 
sterling, everything, all make an enormous loss. And we counter that with the fact that it generates between 12 and 15 million pounds worth of PR for architecture and our architects. So that's how we justify it internally. So just to say that, while I had a great sales pitch from Marcus, and well done, and it is a great award, and I read Dezine every day. Um, it's just worth, worth understanding that we, we're different for a reason and that we do these things differently. And I think if you look at the PRR regional awards generate, something like between 160 and 200 newspaper articles are generated every year by our regional awards alone, which is great for small practices doing a side return extension or any of those things. And um, you know, even a small house of the year project can have come from a regional award winner. So just to, just to bear that in mind, and I'm sorry, it looks like I'm walking Wait, out. Sorry, like just a, like a 12 million pounds in PR, is that right? Between 12 and Okay, as a PR myself, I would advocate to any Weber members in the room that I will do it for at least 11 million or cheaper yeah. than that. Yeah. You know, like no, we don't pay that. That's how much it generates. And Zena Wars is going to go down to 79 pounds, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Well, 79 pounds <laughs> from now on. Like 75. We'll do it for 75. <laughs> no. And the reason I've got to run is because I live in Manchester and I'm going to head back on my get the nine o'clock train home, if that's all right. <laughs> right, okay. Right, we, we kind of suspect there might be an issue with, you know, a little bit of um, who you know and everything in the whole London thing. Do you not think it's worse regionally? No. Um, I mean, no, no, I'm, the reason why I'm saying this, you know, I happen to know somebody who's, who, who, who is kind of semi-connected with Reba up in the north. And, um, um, and what she's told me about some of the Reba members in Liverpool, I could not believe. And I really thought, this is proper gangster stuff. <laughs> yeah? Now, 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 it's not Manchester where you're based, but it was Liverpudlian Reba members who had basically been doing a lot of dirty with, uh, I mean, we're going away from awards slightly, doing it dirty with a lot of um, development situations. But what I'm, I'm getting at is, like, as Rob said, fucking hell, House of Essex should have won an award. What happened there? Yeah. Two, two local juries said no. A, a, national, a national jury actually tried to pressure the local regional jury to give that building an award for the PR it would have generated for the RIBA and the regional jury resisted. This is the robustness of our awards process. Now, what you're talking about, it is a great building, Ola, but, but other architects decided it wasn't. I don't know what we could give it. Anyway, it got enough publicity as it being rejected, so it did all right. Now, just, just to say that um, our juries change every year. So there isn't a, a, you know, a, a, a returning jury every year that builds up this network. That, um, but I've been, I've managed juries, I've taken them around buildings, I've done that, I've sat in rooms and they're making decisions and they will have a tendency to go, I liked his building from last year or I liked the things she did before and I have to say to them and our, and our staff will say to them, you're judging this building, not what they did yesterday, not what they did last year, you're not judging their track record, you're judging this building and the award is for the building, not the practice and we constantly as officers will remind our panels of their duty. So. I have to remember, they forever change, including Sterling, including international jury. They're very diverse. Our, our juries are diverse, both ethnically and gender-based. So we're doing better at that all the time. I tell you what we're not great at and what we need to do better. We need a test of time award. 
and we need to think better about what our categories might be in future. So we're improving sustainability, and I've been advocating that for a long time because everyone just ticks that box because it meets legislation. We should be rewarding innovation in sustainability and retrofit and climate emergency and all those things. So me personally, um, if, you, if you are members and you have any voice, I would be pressuring us to change our categories or to improve our categories within our award system. And I have to go. Um, I just want to bring this back to a core question here. Um, what's the purpose of awards? Now, I've, I've been listening to a lot of my awards are better than your awards, which is great, and whether actually we trust the guys that are awarding the awards are trustworthy. And I don't disagree with any of that, but a couple of things, one said by Rab and another said by Veronica, you said you weren't going to apply for any awards unless there was some kind of special uh, reason to do so. And Veronica quite rightly said that awards send an important signal. So I don't know if I'm the only person in the room who has twisted the arm in my case of LLA, to start a community prize last year. Um, it's uh, one of the special category awards, so it fulfills your requirement there. It re fulfills yours because I just point out to you that this last year, nine out of 14 president's medals awarded were to projects that had a social context. Well, that certainly didn't happen when I trained to be an architect. That is new. And at the very same time, um, Goldsmith Street was winning the Sterling Prize. And something is changing. And the thing that's changing is we're not just navel-gazing with awards, or we shouldn't be. We should be getting out to the general public. That is the signal. And to be honest, I thought with all these journalists here on the panel, something was going to be said about getting this beyond the confines of our own profession. So that is what we need to do. And by the way, the community award, all the NLA awards have just opened. We had fantastic submissions last year. Uh, four very good shortlisted projects. And the point of the awards, the reason Footwork is doing this, is that it is to not, not to take a building that happens to be a community building in a, in a place. It has to be a building that is bringing value to that community. It has to be community-led. It has to be collaborative. And we require a 500-word statement from a community representative. So it simply cannot be... Uh, a tokenistic uh, application. So anyway, do apply. Hi, um, I'm here with kind of two hats on. Um, the first is that I work for a small practice called Studio Bark, and we have decided that we're not applying for any awards this year. Um, and I just don't think we're going to regret it. Um, <laughs> I, nothing that's been said tonight has made me think that um, that's the wrong decision for us to make as a practice. It's just the numbers don't stack up. 
and we're an environmentally-led practice. Um, and, yeah, um, that's that. But mostly I'm here um, on behalf of ACAN. Um, and really, I think that the main thing that's not being talked about enough tonight is um, sustainability and the climate crisis. And it's kind of been mentioned a few times in terms of like sustainability awards being important, but it always just feels a bit like it's lip service rather than um, something that is that something that people really believe needs to be addressed in the profession. And yeah, I mean, it was refreshing hearing you talk, Marcus, and um, kind of being honest about even though you're trying to make an effort to do things in a different way, and you genuinely seem to care about um, how your awards were kind of managed. Um, if you can't do it properly, or if you're making mistakes, then you, when, we look, when we're looking at awards as a small practice and what we should apply for, it's just, it, it just doesn't seem like something we want to buy into at all. The sponsorship is often, we don't want to be involved with those sponsors. Um, there's glitzy, unappealing dinners, and um, just, yeah, it's just, it's just not something we want to be associated with. Um, even though there is a load of great stuff about supporting each other and seeing, recognizing what's great, I think there's other ways that you can achieve that without, um, without going down the awards route. So I think maybe there's a place for awards in the future, but um, it would be nice to see people like Reba and Dazeen and BD kind of being much more challenging and challenging to the status quo and especially like Reba having called a climate emergency and then like not yet, yeah, how can you justify um, just running award ceremonies in the same way that you always have done? If you're calling a climate emergency, then, well, I just wonder whether we should be asking Reba to, um, to use those resources and that time and that money and energy be putting towards educate, educating the profession and say, don't do them for a year and just um, use that time and money in a different way to educate the profession. And yeah, so that's kind of my question maybe to Rob or... Uh, okay, our RIB Awards, for a good number of years, has been a, a sustainability questionnaire that has to be filled in. As I say, some people have done it, some people haven't, they said it's too complicated. Uh, Submissions have been vetoed because they didn't fill it in at all, not even mandatory. Um, we do have the 2030 plan. And so this year, um, all the mandatory questions have to be answered to even get onto a regional shortlist. Scotland is different. It's a different country. But in, in terms of in England and Wales, if you don't fill in the mandatory questions, you've wasted your 80 to 600 pounds. Um, there is also a, a route plan, which is that over the, the next couple of years, the mandatory questions are going to be increased in order to reflect the targets in the 2030 plan. And it's not just meeting the targets, it's actually showing where there's been innovation and where the project is going beyond the minimum. I so think it's the, actually Reba, the regional awards and the national awards are awarding projects that are not performing well enough that they wouldn't be meeting your Reba 2030 targets. Well, you know, 
it, the targets for 2030 are the 2030 targets. We as a practice have already... But it's a route map, so we're, we're, we're you're setting targets along no, the way to the but 2030. But if you actually looked at, if you actually look at the, I think that, you know, Gary, Gary Clark, who's the RIBA Sustainable Future um, Chair, has got a, an article in the most recent RIBA journal. It's worth looking. You know, the fact is that we as a profession have people who are incredibly good and competent and committed and undoubtedly, we also have people who are less knowledgeable and committed. So one of the other aspects that the RIB Awards is saying in terms of the sustainability information is it is all going to go into the public domain. So we're actually parallel learning as we go. We've actually got to move as quickly as we can. We don't want people reinventing the wheel or actually looking at a particular analysis which isn't as good. So the idea is that all the information that comes into the sustainability forms is actually collated and digested and will be published. It will be online so people can actually access it. I so believe you, and I know that the REBA is doing amazing things in terms of sustainability and helping the profession and producing resources and guidance that are great, but maybe just for a year don't do awards and really make the point that you're, you're not just carrying on as if nothing's, nothing's changed. I'm, like I'm, a, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit perplexed because you, 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 is it a case of saying that actually we're not going to publish the information for a year? It's a bit like a hair shirt. You know, we actually need to learn as quickly as we can. And you know, the RIBA doesn't have lots and lots of big glitzy dinners. You know, I've, I've been to regional award ceremonies where actually it's one of the things where they actually use a local building it's kind of, you know, just, just some wine. It's not a big sit-down dinner that people have spent a lot of money attending. It's regional. So people are actually getting there either by, you know, by train because it is within their locality. Um, and then when it comes to, to the, the national awards, yes, it's national. But, you know, last year the, the Sterling jury um, travelled everywhere by train. So it's a case of saying that we're trying not to be profligate with our resources, but we actually want to celebrate very, very good examples of architecture and sustainability. And actually by going out there and you know, waving the flag saying, this is good and it's sustainable, and this is something that other practices, other clients can learn from, I think that's much more important than actually not doing it for a year. We've only got 10 years, for goodness sake. We can't give up 10% of it. Going back on that, does anybody have particular experiences with um, perhaps not, as you said, you don't feel like there's the right kind of award for the work that you're doing, um, that you know you agree with the ethos? Does anyone else uh, in the room have that um, experience? Sorry, I, can't I can't resist. I think you're right. I, I, I would like to, to, to avoid awards as well, because when I hear things about £250 a ticket, you know, all the black tie kind of stuff. I think it's bullshit. I, I can't stand all that. I really hate it. I'm totally with you on that. <laughs> Thank you. Where Marcus is talking about where it might be, you know, a little bit more kind of low-key and everything, I think that's all good. That's all fine. And I think um, um, certainly the zine have done an awful lot for bringing in younger, more international, more diverse practices. I think Reba's problem is that they're always trying to please 
and I think goes back to what you were possibly saying, Rab, is there's possibly an insecurity in architects. And what I put that back to you, it's like, are we all that insecure that we want awards, that we want to be liked, that we want to be justified, that we want to be kind of applauded and enjoyed and put up on a pedestal? Because I'm with you. I don't think I need to be. No. I would rather go on with work. We stroke our own egos. It's yeah. fine. Well, I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with um, getting some kind of recognition. That the, the analogy I mentioned earlier on was the scientist who needs to get their paper published because that's absolutely essential for the way they might progress. And I think, to some extent, that's what words are for us as well. Um, I, was, I was intrigued by a comment Marcus said about coming second. Um, because I've never thought of that as much of a problem in the sense that you, you might win an award, you might get accommodation or whatever, but there's a, uh, it reminded me of a, a, one of my early experiences of chairing an awards panel, which was many years ago, it might have been 15 or more years ago, when Building Design did its first ever Young Architect of the Year um, panel, and I was chairing it, and there was all kinds of people, on it, like Norman Foster and Doris Satchi and so on, it was a bit of a, you know, tiger. Anyway, the, the winner was without doubt, a very good architect and has since gone on to do very good things. But there was a second place uh, who was a young practice, they'd won an international competition and they were, they'd, they'd done a really good job but they hadn't built anything yet. And so in, on balance, the jury came to the conclusion that this one architect who won had actually built stuff and it was looking very promising and there was a good result. And so on the awards ceremony, uh, we received the sponsors and I received a letter from a lawyer saying that the said second place firm had never entered the competition. They weren't prepared to have any mention of the name at the ceremony and all record of their entry must be wiped from... Foreign record. Office Architects, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Indeed. So I read out the lawyer's letter Foreign at the ceremony. Foreign Office Architects. <laughs> so I read Since out defunct. Well, I thought it was only fair that the audience knew uh, that there was a second place and so I read out the letter. Yes, I wanted to try and answer the question about what the awards are for. And uh, I think oh, they fundamentally uh, fulfill a fundamental uh, human need, which is status within the community. I mean, if you talk with any psychology anthropologist, it will tell you that status is equivalent to the need of eating and sheltering yourself. So I think they are there to stay. The question for me is very much about uh, um, how do they do this? And there was a very interesting article last week on the Architectural Journal by Paul Finch which I think at the point, which more often than not, uh, and particularly the Stirling, some of the recent wins are very good examples, uh, they celebrate not so much architectural excellence, which is what I think they, are, they should be doing, but rather yeah, celebrates the story of the project. Uh, I don't know if there is somebody from the Rilke, Marsh and Morgan in the audience, uh, and I think he was talking before, the, the Austin Peers, uh, I think he's got great architectural merit. I admire the Rilke, Marsh and Morgan. I think the project is great. But in that case, the story of the phoenix uh, re-emerging from the ashes far outstripped any architectural area and is so compelling and so good you know, to also uh, fit the public uh, in that context. So the question is uh, what they should be celebrating, and if it is architectural excellence, or you know, uh, they are, because if it is the story, then we are very, very much on the wrong track, I think. The, um, the question about what awards are for, I think, is quite relevant. When we look inside the room, everyone is talking, 
comes from different perspectives, different sides of the industry. But what I found quite interesting is looking at all the buses and things going up and down the high street and thinking, if people on that bus were in here listening to some of these discussions, would they even understand it? Would they care? If you listed the, the Sterling Prize winners in the last 10 years, would they recognize them? Would they be interested in? But that really is what I feel awards could or should be about, is giving access to an industry or a field that can, yes, absolutely make a difference and should be making a difference, but awards are a way of, of ultimately getting publicity and getting to reach out to a community or reaching out to society, really, that um, doesn't always come along. I obviously from a design point of view, that uh, creates more traffic uh, to the website. From a Reba point of view, uh, the Sterling Prize will be on, it's, it's on TV. I can't remember which channel it's on now. It used to be on Channel 4, but it's still BBC, BBC News. So it's still broadcast live. So this is a moment where people who might not think about architecture or design think about architecture or design. I, um, I used to work at the Design Museum, and I curated de designs of the year once, and that was a moment when the BBC came to the museum. That's when CNN came. It was a chance to think about design and communicate design and architecture and fashion to a, to a wider audience. So from, from my perspective, I'm not a practitioner, I'm not a designer or an architect, but it's a way of communicating what we all do. We do for different reasons and in, in different ways. But it's, it's a chance to engage with the people who, who are not in this room, who are, who are outside. Absolutely. Um, I find myself, the more I hear this conversation about whose awards are better than others, I just want to know which magical buildings we don't know about because they haven't entered the awards. Is there some way we could flush them out? Is there some kind of crowdsourced, this is my favourite building kind of thing you could do, which gives us a different perspective and also does exactly what you're saying acts in the way that good architectural awards do to make us think, why, why is this building wonderful? Why, what do I love about it? What does it give my neighbourhood? I mean, I never go to Peckham Library anymore, having moved there partly because I thought, wow, okay, Peckham must be worth moving to because they've got a sterling prize-winning library there. But I'm still glad it's there. I think kind of picking up from that, what... I mean, one, there's clearly enough awards for everyone because everyone has a different view of what awards are for. But we're almost looking for a kind of secret shopper award, which is maybe something that we're missing, that we need the kind of, are the users enjoying this? Are we going to do a kind of like spot test on the Bloomberg building? Um, but kind of picking up with what Rab was saying about images, I mean, obviously we're very image-focused at Dazine and kind of discussing I also like help look at all the awards and we also um, we do publish I think everyone that's shortlisted India is part of the design yeah team, so I'm the declaration yeah. of interest yeah, yeah I'm the assistant editor at design and we try and also publish everyone that's kind of shortlisted so that they get a chance but we don't find the Instagram effect is the most kind of problematic thing but one thing we have found is the kind of render effect and we get some people trying to sneak in with things that are unbuilt but the renders are quite convincing but obviously because we're global we can't send 
people everywhere to check that it's built because that would be a terrible carbon footprint. But we somebody got busted last time. We bust them. We do like you know we are prepared to hold our hands up and say, "Hang on, we take that back." No, but actually, this isn't the disease show. This is like a. I, but but somebody did enter and get shortlisted for a project that didn't actually exist. And then one of our readers wrote in and said, "These renders don't look. I'm sorry. These photos don't look real." And we busted them, and we called them out, and we kind of un unshortlisted them. I think. I've got the mic, Steve. <laughs> Clearly, I'm still not there. <laughs> Edgeways, right? How'd you get edgeways? Um, ah, good. Um, yeah, one of the th one of the things um, when we were thinking about the topic, and uh, we sit chewing the fat with these things and come, try and come up with a broad sort of uh, idea about what the topic is. I mean, I wonder whether. We're always in danger in this place of being uh, talking in actually the way this guy was talking down here about the buses going past. Is it an echo chamber? Is it a load of people talking about the same thing? And are we just totally peripheral to actually life? And um, one of the things the poster does actually is to say, well, look what's floating above your head. Actually, are we winning any battles or the war actually here? Because uh, for all the awards that there are, the same people control buildings. They still control the end product. Um, one of the things that struck me back in the mid-90s was the, um, the MVRDV housing scheme with the, uh, the big timber cantilevered boxes, which was actually for old people. Um, they did something I thought which was very bold at the time. I mean, I was obviously a lot younger, and I thought this was kind of, kind of quite controversial, was that they had a page of all of the little shots of the apartments, the main space, on the one page and you turned over and it had all the shots of the space once the old people had moved in and it had the th literally had the three ducks on the wall it had all the dodgy furniture and everything else and what it said was look we're a design-led practice but this is ultimately about life and i wonder how much awards actually engage with the fact that architecture is actually about life it's much more about image yes there are these instagramable moments but there was a piece written actually last week about art and how art experience is becoming more and more geared towards instagram and at that point you have a problem with content because what is the content of the art if it's just about instagram and just about image so i think this is the key point really about sort of the image and the award conspiring to create an idea about architecture which actually quite frankly the public doesn't care about i mean it's totally peripheral I mean, who actually watches the Sterling Awards, you know, outside of ourselves? And are we just rewarding ourselves? So that's it. I think before we end, we should probably just give a quick mention to the anti-award. So, um, of course, the Carbuncle Cup. Yay, nay. Um, Anyone has um, good stories, frustrations. People always say, oh, it should be awarded before the planning permission is granted so that these monstrosities aren't built. People say this should give us enough experience to stop building these monstrosities, but of course it never works. So 
our um, panelists, um, what do you think about the anti prize, the anti award? I, I wait for it every year and I read it avidly. But the, um, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, the, fa the fact is, it's it's the one award that gets into the local papers, isn't it? Because it's it's lapped up by people who think architects are a bunch of whatnots, and so this is this is what they do. So we've got to counter that with something that's got at least as much traction, which is positive. And Stirling Prize goes some way towards that. And we, we should all be trying to do some of that and try to get in your local papers as part of it. But it is definitely liked by the public. It's noticed. It's even in the evening standard every year. It's extraordinary. Fliss, maybe you can talk about what you think of... Uh... <laughs> I just think the same, really. It's just a bit gossipy, really, isn't it? Um, that's good, the clicks and the views, and people are talking about these horrible buildings. And we also, that's probably the one point where architects, journalists, and the, the audience broadly agree about what makes an awful building. That's, that's where we all agree. That's the, that's the Venn diagram. But I think it's really valid to say we've got to do something to counterbalance it, haven't we? We've got to prove ourselves worthy. Um, I, everybody reads it. It's it's a bit of fun, as far as I can see. Probably not for the people who are receiving it. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't think it's very worthy. I don't think it really deserves much time, really. I would agree with that. I don't, I don't think it adds anything to people's understanding of what architecture is. And there was a comment earlier when we were discussing this that some developer was told that his project had won the Carbuncle, Carbuncle Cup, and he was thrilled because it meant more column inches. That's all I need to say. Well, one of the winners of the Carbuncle Cup contacted us recently and said, could we un unlink their story about winning the Carbuncle Cup from their profile on the zine? And um, I must admit, we, we did, because um, we, we didn't think it was fair on them to be tarnished by this slightly negative award. But I think that my feeling about what we've all been talking about is we all live in an atten attention economy. It's like, like it or not, um, stuff getting traction on the internet and on social media is the way that ideas get spread these days. If you choose to duck out of the attention economy, great, that's fine. But if you want to be part of it, and if you believe that ideas getting exposed to the oxygen of publicity or the sunlight of attention can help drive the agenda forwards, then I think it's really important. So bad publicity, good publicity, those are the yardsticks by which ideas get global traction these days. And winning an award is just part of that. And you stick it out into the arena of the internet or, or Instagram or whatever, and it's not like it's universal applause. It's like it's, a, it's an arena. It is the marketplace. It is the marketplace by which ideas get shot down or, get, or by which they get promoted, and that's, that's the world we live in. Anyone else in the audience has an experience with awards, carbuncles, anything? Uh, it's not necessarily about awards or carbuncles, but, uh, sorry. <laughs> um, there's right. been a lot of talk, something radical for sure. I, I wanted to mention, or at least get the room to think about, what if the, we didn't have any awards at all? There seems to be a lot of talk about trying to get people to experience buildings that aren't being awarded. To have, I think there was mention of a, a crowdfunder for those secret spaces that are in the Zeppelin up there. 
Um, if there weren't any awards, then there wouldn't be uh, kind of those buildings that maybe we don't agree with. There's mixed opinions throughout the whole room. But then buildings would perhaps be judged on experiential uh, alone. And the people who visit said buildings would talk to their friends about it, talk to their colleagues about it, and then that building would get um, kind of get ground from people actually having experienced that building and not just the image base, not just um, whether it was uh, 1.3 billion pounds or whether it was uh, someone's mate on the panel or anything like that. And at that point, is that not a better way to be judging buildings, whether we actually one-on-one uh, -on -one, we're experiencing them ourselves rather than being told by whether it's in a magazine or on TV or on the internet. Uh, we ex we learn about buildings through other people who have seen that building or experienced that building. And yeah, sorry it's not about carbuncles and that. But doesn't having the award system on top of it all kind of drown out this, this more kind of like local kind of uh, experience of a building. Like you might have an opinion of it, but then you think, oh, maybe it won the car bunker. So uh, my opinion must be wrong of that building because it's won the worst building award, but I loved it anyway. I mean, I'm sure this is probably never going to work because we live in a world where that is the case, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. Maybe by visiting it one day or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I think you have a lot of faith in the general public because when you see the like rate of clicks on stories, it's not necessarily like taste or enjoyment that like pumps up numbers. And also, I'd like to add, um, I never get talked. Nobody ever talks to me about buildings who's not an architect. The only thing that comes close, my dad sometimes calls me. Oh, is that building by Mies? And then I have to explain that sometimes, yes, the building is by me. Um, but mostly not. So. Peter, can I just ask you a quick question based on what you were saying? And that is, um, say for instance there are absolute criminal demolitions of buildings. I'm not saying grade two star listed narrative conservation stuff that maybe Sean Griffiths talks about in these disease articles which we've covered in Negroni Talks before. I'm talking more about uh, maybe what you, you and I have seen, Rab, is the, the Gillespie and Coyer churches. We're talking a, 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 a long time ago. Um, where you have wonderful bits of architecture that might actually be in danger. Is there something that the panel might see as a potential way of a rewarding something over time that has lasted the time and has um, um, succeeded in an architectural importance, Rab. Get it listed. <laughs> a listed building is normally more than 25 years old, so there's a bit of a flaw there. But if it was possible to list a building, that's an automatic protection. It's better than any architectural award it might have got on the day. Uh, it's quite rigorous. There's a lot of debate about what gets listed and what isn't, but that's the first layer of protection that I'm aware of for a good building. Uh, anyone else about using, using awards as a way to protect architecture? Well, I think it's obviously, not, I don't, it's really bad, but I came here, yeah, awards are a bit like, oh, come on, it's like, we also, but 
I think architecture is such hard work and it takes so long and you need to have the right client and it's take you know forever and ever. And I think it's actually really nice to get some recognition. And I had the so it's not like, oh my, I had something, I had an award, and I, we, we submitted something for the design award, or a building got long-listed for the design award, which was quite nice because it's this kind of global, so it's all image-based. You could say it's a size zero journalism, you know, the girls who have a size zero, and then we got long-listed, beautiful shot, and that same project had the People's Award of Hackney Design Award. And... I don't know, you know, it's a bit vain and now I'm even talking about it, how embarrassing, and I agree with you, actually, we shouldn't spend our time submitting awards. We, there's far more urgent things to do. But actually, it's quite nice. You know, all that hard work, you don't, get really, don't really get paid for it. And, you know, you're thinking there's all these different types of awards that... Anyway, it's controversial in here, but I think it's a good thing. <laughs> Also, looks like this is not a pitch for entering awards, but come on, guys. This always happens when architects get together. They go, oh, I wonder if the people on the bus won't give a shit about... People fucking love architecture. They absolutely love architecture. Ordinary people love architecture. Get used to it. Seriously. Just get your work out there. Get, enter awards. Publish your work. That People are obsessed with architecture. Architecture is by far the most popular thing we write about, like by a factor of like three compared to design. Sorry if there's any industrial designers here. People love it. Half of our readers are not architects or designers. They're just people who love architecture. What you do is adored by people around the world. They don't understand what the fuck you're talking about most of the time, but they love what you do. So don't denigrate the idea of reducing it to an image and a headline. That, that's great, because that's accessible. You can carry on having your you know, intellectual chats at places like this. That's great. But people love what you do. I feel like I say this every time I'm in a talk with, some, with architects, but really, you guys are amazing. Honestly. And you don't need an award to prove it. <laughs> But it helps. <laughs> 80 pounds. <laughs> and, uh, and I think on that positive note, we'll uh, carry on the conversation in a more informal setting. Uh, thank you, uh, Forspace, for having us. Thank you, Rob, Bobby, and um, our panelists for coming and, and helping us to put this together. Um, and yeah, if, if you guys won an award, you know what to do. There's RIBA, there's Dezine. Uh, there's Veronica, she's got some uh, lollipops left, so uh, go for it. And if you don't, you know, more power to you. Thanks for listening. For more on Negroni Talks, visit our website at www.fourthspace.co.uk where you can see all our past and upcoming events, or find us and subscribe to the show in iTunes. Negroni Talks, mixing it in architecture. <laughs>